Hello everyone, it's Chris Vint here, <coughs> excuse me, the um, host of uh, Master Universe Chronicles, which you hear in the Operation Retroshock feed. Um, I just wanted to do like a little, um, a little introduction at the start here, just with sadly, um, yesterday being the 18th of October, that the great uh, Lou Scheimer had passed away. Um, Obviously, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge Masters Universe fan. Um, used to have lots of the figures, and um, when I was moving house, didn't have the room for them, so I got rid of them. Um, but obviously, He-Man was a big part of my childhood and a big part of my adult life as well. I mean, there's lots of people on the internet, you know, with the likes of Pixel Dam, Pixel Dan, James E. Talk, um, to name but a few who have um, either filmed or um, wrote very glowing tributes um, to the great man. Um, and it's because of Mr. Scheimer that I'm the reason why I'm at today. Not, you know, through him saying do this, but because of his work, because of He Man Master Universe, She Ra Princess of Power, whether it be Brave Star or. Uh, like uh, today, I just found out the Filmation were in charge of the cartoon Sport Billy, which I remember as a child and couldn't find anything on YouTube um, a couple of years ago and kind of forgot about it. Um, yeah, but due to Mr. Shimer's work uh, with He-Man was the reason, you know, like was the main cartoon that I watched growing up, and then you know, like whenever I came back um, to loving it again, I decided to do a podcast about it, and that's where I've met so many of the great people um, that I know today, um, the likes of Mike Lacey and Rob Bass, who I had the pleasure of meeting early on in the year, Dylan Cook, I've met. Um, a couple of years ago, and whether there's people the likes of Pixel Dan, um, James Bussetton's E Talk, James Sawyer, um, to name but a few, um, that all my online friendships has become through to Masters of the Universe. A lot of people I've talked to and do podcasts with, like say Sween Halleck on What the Shell or Ryan Porter, have been part of his um, Great Positively Nerdy podcast. Um, I all know them because I did a He-Man podcast and it's just very soul destroying to know that somebody helped mould your childhood and kind of what you've become later in life um, has gone sadly um, I was going to do a video but I think it's probably better that I do an audio um, thing and as well you know with James Bussetton's E-Talk knowing so much about the Filmation cartoon I thought it'd be a good idea to put one of our um, the more one of the more funnier episodes um, on after this just to try and you know give us some good spirits and stuff but um, whether you're sporting a, a He-Man t-shirt like I am today or whether you've changed your ringtone to be the He-Man or She-Ra theme tune or your message alert tone do something like that you know like if you're out in the street and somebody sends you a message or somebody rings you then that could spark somebody else going oh yeah I remember He-Man and you know like 30 years later Filmation Master Universe is still alive you know like still alive through us all through the DVDs and things and um, I'm sure that in the another 30 years you know it'll still be around um but obviously I just wanted to come on and just say that my condolences are with the family and, and all his friends as well. I know that there's a lot of people who have met him, whether it's the likes of, say, John Callis or um, Val Staples, to name but a few. But, um, you know, I've heard nothing but good reports of the man and it's sad that I'll never get to meet 
meet him. He was always one that I would have loved to interview on Chronicles. Um, that would have been the big coup, but sadly that never happened. But um, he leaves a whole legacy of work, and every time we pop on a filmation, He-Man Master Universe or She-Ra episode, we'll see his name there and we'll remember um, what he's done for us all. So yeah, enjoy this uh, episode, Region of Ice. Um, we'll probably have an Operation Retroshock in upcoming weeks, a, um, like an episode dedicated to him. So if you want to send in your th- your you know your, your thoughts about He-Man, She-Ra, Bravestar, whatever, you can send them to Vinto316 at gmail.com. We'll just have like a, one where we'll discuss certain projects that he's done and things like that. So um um, yeah, um, we could do that there. So, um, thanks um, for listening to this, and thank you, Mr. Scheimer, and God bless. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Master of the Universe Chronicles Commentary. Every time I say that, I'm near enough run out of breath. And welcome back onto the show with a. The host with the most knowledge. Uh, somebody said they want to be the hostess with the mostest, so that's probably the best I can uh, do at this time, which is James E. Talk. Hello, dear James. Hello, I'm happy to be the host with the most knowledge as opposed to the host with the most est. Um, yes, good to be back. Thank you for uh, once again having me. No problem. Uh, what episode are we going to be discussing today? We're going to be commenting on the region of ice from He-Man Season 1, Episode 44, if memory serves me correctly, which it usually does. Um, we have in this episode He-Man, Skeletor, a few of the others. It's very funny. It's a Snake Mountain centric episode, and uh, yes, it's it's a very it's a slapstick episode. Yes. Okay. Are you ready for the lethal weapon countdown, then, sir? I'm ready. Hit me with the three, the two, and the one. Okay. Three, two, one. Play. Oh, my one took a bit uh, a bit while there actually to do that. Stupid technology. <laughs> it's we wonderful whenever it works. Yes. He-Man So, so James, with the region of ice, um, has this always been one that you've wanted to cover? Yeah, funnily enough, uh, excuse me, <coughs> funnily enough, we, um, we, myself and Dave Degar and Newman were doing the commentaries for the uh, UK DVD releases. When, when it came to do these, um, I think, volumes 7, 6, 7, 8 and 9, we... Um, we obviously had to pick two episodes for each volume and for, the, for uh, this volume which I believe is volume 8 we wanted to do Temple of the Sun and Region of Ice and for some reason I can't remember why but we found out like a day in advance that for some reason the company hadn't got the master of the Region of Ice the digital master from which we could do the commentary so that episode was scrapped and I was kind of gutted because I'm like a huge fan of this episode doesn't mean I've got lots to say on it but I just I wanted to say, oh, I did a commentary on that episode. So you said that about the time corridor, and you certainly knew a hell of a lot about that. So I'm sure this one here, <laughs> I've picked out certain observations, the Chris Vint way of, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why does this happen? Please feel free to uh, wax lyrical. I will do my best. And obviously this isn't the only episode that we have based on ice. Uh, obviously the other episode features a character called Icer. Oh yes, uh, the ice age cometh. There's a lot of, um, not not a lot, but there's there's quite a few snow-based episodes um, in the series, and they they're always interesting, at least initially for this one, because it's like a change of location. Yeah. It's not the royal palace, it's not the evergreen forest, it's not Castle Grayskull, and obviously we end up at Snake Mountain this episode. But um, 
it's a good way to start, you know. Although, <laughs> uh, there's a really big bit of dialogue where um, Orko says, I'm great, um, I can't understand why Cringer didn't want to come along. Refused to come because snow is cold. And you think, that's really weird because Cringer shows up in loads of snow episodes. <laughs> and obviously in the tournier. Yes. Well, the funny thing is, look at this. Look at the size of Prince Adam's feet in that shot. <laughs> they are long. I'm sorry, but the artist on that one has really, you know, got something wrong. Draw Prince Adam's feet. Oh, I've oh, messed them up. This is. I always, I always love the intro, the, the start of the way. This very, very, the the wicked filmation music. You think something's a bit off? Yeah, Queen Marlene has just uh, done a runner. I like the way they. It's just really believable the way they're like Man Arms is perpetually playing a trick and she's going to leap out and you know whatever. And you think, oh, okay, she's uh, she's gone, and then each of them vanish, and it's such a good little. Uh, beginning because it's all done very mysteriously and we don't find out for I think a good few minutes what's happened to them. Mm-hmm. And obviously they have the little button to help the skis go along which oh, yeah, have yeah. in each hand. Tila has both her hands to her mouth so is she following <laughs> her father and decides to tuck it away somewhere? <laughs> She's uh, She crashes later that's why she gets uh, nabbed. This is interesting here we go man at arms what's that he's got in his hand? It's a lightsaber but I bet you any money they didn't call it in the lightsaber in the script. Energy staff! <laughs> Saber of light. <laughs> Saber of the light. It's Prince Adam's feet again are huge. I'm sorry, I'm obsessed with his feet. There's an interesting one. If you, actually, if you look at that previous shot, it doesn't show it, but all, you can see four tracks next to the Wind Raider all disappearing. I like the way it's one specific spot, though, which is kind of disappointing. It just means that they all went over that specific plane. If you look at this shot, Prince Adam's holding his sword like he's ready to transform. And it's in his left hand, and that's the wrong hand. Oh, yes. If you watch pretty much every single episode, he's never gone in his left when he transforms. But oh, it's, it's funny, as a kid, I remember watching this episode, like... Never, never recorded it because, uh, as I've said in pr- a previous commentary, we had the series shown twice, aired once, and then a rerun, and that's all you got on terrestrial television for like seven or eight years. And um, I always remember that was my one memory of this episode was Prince Adam with the sword of power in the wrong hand. <laughs> Even <laughs> as a kid, I, talk away. exactly. As a kid, I was a, a nerd. I was like, oh, that's surely that's uh, the stake of the animators' part. Because <laughs> Orko have a this is very cool. Oh, it's a great image. This we see Prince yeah. Adam holding up the sword. Actually, in the, in the, in the script, it's um, less dramatic, and I, I prefer it in a way is that he wasn't going to transform. And this whole scene, he's just like the others, just trapped. There. He's not holding up the sword because the weird thing about this is, and you, you see it when Prince Adam's freed, is that it's implied that Prince Adam and all this lot can hear the conversations that are taking place even though they're frozen because the first thing Prince Adam says is you know knowing that Orko's playing the role of He-Man as it comes up Prince Adam says He-Man thank you for rescuing me you think so okay so he can hear the conversation then surely everybody's looking across going why has Adam got a sword in the air why is he trying to grab a sword <laughs> I do you like this guy's voice as well yes um, I think it's Alan Oppenheimer but it's, it's a uh, I like the idea though and this happens in a few episodes where he's heard of He-Man but he's never met him and the best episode that that's done in is um, A Tale of Two Cities where nobody He-Man's a legend in this uh, two city community it's uh, very, very well done I do, I do love uh, Orko's uh, He-Man voice he puts on a brave voice 
I am He-Man. Lou Shimer voicing Orko, as always. Orko's droopy sword. Whoop. This, this comes back later in the episode, but it's Your like, you know, why have you got a giant O on your chest? Maybe it stands for O, I'm He-Man, by the way. It's He-Man, it's pronounced with a it's got a silent O in it. This scene isn't really done well, but it's you can just about make out what happens. Is that that causes an avalanche. The Ice Lord doesn't see the fireball hit Orca because there's a wall of stuff that you know, this is all in front of them and that's that is only there just to shield the fact that Orko is freed by this yeah but the weird thing is the rockfall is still there so surely the ice lord should be able to see it where's the rockfall <laughs> but I do like this this bit he man I beseech you he man I beseech you <laughs> the ice lord's talking to Orko as if he is he man but Orko probably goes like beseech what does that mean <laughs> are we going down to the beach or something today I haven't touched you, I haven't besieged you. I don't want to do this. I do, I, again, this conversation, it's... it's the, I mean, it's, it's not apparent in the episode yet, but this episode becomes very comical, very, especially towards the end, very action slapstick, and it's... There's a weird bit of dialogue here, where um, he, he um, actually has just gone, he says, the Ice Lord says, I don't want to do this. And, uh, and it sounds like he's like struggling, and he's, he's at pain with the dialogue, but... I think in the script it just indicates he's whispering and it's like well, Skeletor can't hear you can he? <laughs> oh, unless, unless you're watching The Royal Cousin in which, in which Triclops utters the immortal line Skeletor has ways of hearing so what, what, what with his ears you know <laughs> whatever he does <laughs> kind of the way you have ways of seeing Triclops yes yeah. I have three ways of seeing here we go here's my assistant nice bit of reverse footage here when you see the sword land in his hand and he of the embarrassment of Orko here <laughs> this, is, this is a good little scene as I like transforming to He-Man will go and free the others and Adam's like you, you gave your word as He-Man I like this bit of dialogue as well but He-Man will be needed for the immediate task that's right yeah actually and uh, not to get too geeky with the transformation but um, the dialogue is usually uh, finished by the time he takes out the sword oh no sorry in other words by the time the, the camera pans towards the sword but on this one I think it's just a bit cut off yeah it's just it just about gets the dialogue in it just proves that every time they did that sequence they, they wouldn't adhere to like the timesheets and it just mean they change it each and every time mix it up a little bit there's a, there's a, uh, this is where the dialogue just starts to get really good. <laughs> We're going to snake man it itself, and He-Man's you're beginning to sound like Cringer. I just think that's, that's such a good line because it's um, you know it's taken a character isn't it, in the episode, but it's just referencing you know you're starting to sound like that cowardly cat. I'm going to need all that help I can get. After all. I'm only your assistant. <laughs> I'm only your assistant. I'm only your assistant. <laughs> great visual there in the background. We actually see it change from the day sky into the technically night sky, but the, the sky that primarily surrounds Car uh, Snake Mountain. I just like the idea that you, you know they're getting towards Snake Mountain, and suddenly the sky is never ever used before or set, you know ever again in the series. But you just see it transform from day into night. It's a nice little touch because it's just like, oh sweet. As opposed to them flying in the day, transitional scene, and suddenly they're outside Snake Mountain. There we go.
<laughs> this is it, uh, again. Um, it's it's interesting throughout the series is that the characters have different ways of getting in and out of Snake Mountain. Castle Grayskull is different because all you've got is the Jawbridge. Snake Mountain, you've got, and you can do this. You go throughout the series. There's secret passageways. There's entrances. There's other entrances. There's the mouth of the snake, which. In this episode, for some reason, they choose to go through the mouth of the snake. And you think, why? I mean, it makes for a great dramatic end of Act One, where he's like through the mouth of the snake. But it just—it just seems like a weird thing for them to do is to go all the way up to the snake just to get in. Yeah. Why didn't they just land on the the top of the snake's head? Exactly. And here's a. Um, that's a nice joke that I don't think many people get. But uh, Skeletor says he's done something to my reception. All I get is snow. And obviously, the common term, or at least I think the the Western term for um, TV interference from the 80s was snow, when when you couldn't get the picture stabilised, so you would technically have snow on the TV. That's like a little writer's joke there, that skeleton snow. Beastman. It's it's just, I just love the dialogue in this episode so much. Like whenever Beastman's running down the hall and he's muttering to himself as well. There's a lot of muttering, here's Trapjaw. Doing a bit of a muttly, like rasha, rasha, rasha. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just it's a strange episode. I mean, a great episode in the fact there's just so many jokes or gags or weird little moments like like this. Usually, just thinking to like a season two episode, Beastman would walk in, threaten a prisoner, maybe a bit of silly dialogue. But I just like this. She she's already composing like a bit of snow on the ceiling. Beastman walks in, snow lands on his head. And it's just. <laughs> it's her reaction as well. She, silly little laugh. <laughs> He's not happy. But it's and then he leaves and he slips over as well. But it's it's just this. It's a very much. Um, if you look at the episode on a whole, it's, there's so much like slapstick action in it. It's bit, I mean, it's, towards the end it gets ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that's what sets it apart from the other. Episodes, you know, oh, it's just a pure comedy fact of it. This this action scene is so so original. I'd say it's like <laughs> Orca goes travelling past. You know, Trapjaw does this. I love this where he whirls him up. He winds him up. He must be a demon at eating spaghetti. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's this, and then He Man's there, and they're just like kind of semi mocking Trapjaw. You know, I told you wasn't too. I told you he wasn't smart. smart. I thought it was clever or smart. And um, and then we get this whole scene where it's like, <laughs> this is the ten foot pole I wouldn't touch you with. Yeah. It's such a weird little action scene. I love this trap. <laughs> it's just bouncing around <laughs> as well. It's just so much silliness in this episode. How did he actually hit the intercom though with the thing on the top of his head? Yeah, probably. Actually, that thing on the top of his head, I always loved the, the toy advert when I was a kid, and you'd see what that was used for, is you put yeah. string on the character. It was actually used in the mini-comic as well, but he's like, oh, that's what that's for. <laughs> I thought it was just a loop. Like, was incessant bite in there as well. Just like. but it's, it's weird, it's such a original action. I don't know who thinks of this. It's like, we're going to do string at either end, and Trapjaw has to stay biting onto this thing to like live there's one thing that he should have said here was he says you know like no no don't say anything he should have said it's bad manners to talk with your mouth full oh, trap jaw you should have written hey, man. <laughs> 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 that is a perfect line shall we go inside 
Off the sea, Skeletor. And uh, there's one thing that gets me about this episode. He-Man is not stealthy at all. Orko is fine at doing yeah. stealthy. You know, but there's Skeletor, and they go like, "Now we have to go and see Skeletor." Like, it's right there. He has ways of hearing. He-Man. He has ways of hearing. I just like this. This shot is great. Where He-Man and Orko there. Skeletor's just walking past. Oh. Skeletor. Come on, Orko. And it's just like, yeah, don't lower your voice or anything, yeah. man, will you? Well, it's just like he walks in the same direction. <laughs> it's even more confusing. Actually, in the script, um, one thing I've got to mention is um, the Ice Lord and his daughter Snowflake. Again, I, I just love the, the way female characters were drawn on the show. Snowflake's a, a great little character. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they actually designed to have, um, or actually written to have blue skin. But for some for some reason, I, I thought that had been a really cool visual to see. But for some reason, they decided at some point to give her, um, you know. White skin, I guess. Another female character with blonde hair as well. Yes, there were quite a few of them in the series. Although Filmation are known more for their redheads, like um, Teela and Princess Aura in um, Flash Gordon was probably one of their most famous mm-hmm. uh, bits of anim- character animation. So we see the bottom. Now it's our turn. Yeah. Let's just break our way in again. Okay. Iman, not stealthy. I just love this is a great that's a great bit of dialogue. It's ridiculous dialogue, but it's so funny. It's like you know, we're He Man and Orko, which is which? It's like well, one yeah. it's like He Man, the other's got a giant O on his chest. <laughs> I can't help but think she does that on purpose, which is which. And He Man's dialogue again is great. Don't ask Orko, he just gets confused. Yeah. That's fantastic dialogue. It's so well done. It's, it's not just like we're here to rescue you, let's go. But, and, and even she's like, I, I would appreciate if we just got out of it. And this is a weird scene. Oh, I love I love the, what the man <laughs> says here. I love what he says. I'll let you take it away. <laughs> oh, beast man, making soup. <laughs> it's just, uh, again, it's, it's another action scene that's just like out there and like really original because you wouldn't get this in another episode Beastman you know with a giant hot cauldron of uh, boiling water <laughs> with a woman who turns it into like an ice structure which he then breaks it's all just so and, now it's cold. and the noise that Beastman makes running off is very odd as well oh, ding dong yeah same <laughs> <laughs> animation that He-Man throwing a boulder yeah, oh, many other things. Right back at you. It's actually for years, and to, still to this day, Skeletor's um, line to Beastman is still one of my favourites in the entire series. I'll let you take that away then. Oh, it's just such a good sign. There's the noises talking about managing not to fall off. I just like, I love Snowflake's dialogue. Can we just, like, I would appreciate yeah. if we could get out of here, please. It's not like, oh, thank you for saving me, or, or thanks for the... It's just like, let's go. And it's this... Some, it's a running messing around, He-Man. Yeah, it's like, we, all we have to do is walk out the door and all this. It's just pretty odd. Here it comes. I just love the Skeletor's line. This is just this is just beautiful. Here it comes. Beastman's all confused. <laughs> I just... I don't know why, I just think that is such a great... Especially with the visual, you've got Beastman running up to him in a giant pot on his head. 
And Skeletor's like, is this supposed to be funny? I <laughs> thought you were going to say about uh, Drop Johnny sleeping on the job again. That is a good line. That's equally, that's equally as good line. Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> I haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> but again, and you think, what's Skeletor doing here? This is a very interesting action. Pulling a, la- a, a lever or a lever and you think, oh, something's, something's uh, up. And uh, I like, again, it's this whole thing about the mouth of the snake is the only way to get an out. Oh, Trapjaw's line is immortal. I, I just love the idea that something happened that we didn't see, and it's Trapjaw basically escaping the most impossible so. situation. But again, it's funny because you think, well, how the, how the heck did he get out? And it's because he did, you know. Well, maybe Trapjaw was the one who te- taught the Skeletor um, how to be a trapeze artist. Oh, yeah. Again, bringing the greatest show in the tourney onto oh, this episode as well. See the way yeah. I worked it. We will do it one day. We will do that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's an interesting thing. Yeah, Snake Mountain technically comes alive because the mouth of the, 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 the snake closes. But here is, uh, again, another... Probably one of my... F- next to three on a dare where he fights the villains. This is another one of my favourite action scenes. Because it's... Uh, again, it's just... Silly, it's so quick. E-Man goes, where's he going? It's, it's all done really kindly, by the way it's staged, and then he just gets... And it's if you listen to the dialogue, I mean, the animation of Skeletor and Beastman slipping is, is funny enough, but it's, as Trapjaw collides, all you hear is, I think it's Beastman, just go, Doc! Much like that. <laughs> it's just such a silly line. And this, this bit's weird, it's like... He man escape. Uh, they all leave. But where do they run to? It's the mouth of the snake. If they, if those two just run out, so they fall off the edge, fall out the mouth of the snake and onto the the harsh rocks below. Love Skeletor's face here. Yeah, it's when he when he uh, reacts to this, the uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those episodes that's just so different. <laughs> It's, it, I, it's just it's very original it's just um, I'm trying to remember Patrick Duncan who wrote this episode wrote another one I can't remember what, love me I can't remember what it is I seem to remember that Scott that's a similar kind of just striking episode for what it is people might watch this and go oh it's just it's a rescue episode but it's the way in which it's done it's funny it's clever it's, it's action packed but it's action with a difference it's not like He-Man ties up Trapjaw and that's it you know we get like funny yeah. jokes that, that are Tied into that, and um, was said, that a pun? That wasn't supposed to be a pun. As I said, I was like, "That's a pun." Um, <laughs> it's a good little ending. We've all come in there. <laughs> the hero always gets the reward. That is probably one of my funniest moral segments ever. Man, I've just got antenna. I was going to say that again. You took the words out of man antennas or man antenna. Maybe that's where they got that from. Antenna. I think you've done it. No, I mean it's such a weird one they've clearly done it on purpose because <laughs> that, that background is used and I think it might be oh the return of the Gryphon moral and it's all come man arms stood in front but man arms is not positioned with two antennas sticking up but I, I wouldn't be surprised they did that as a joke as well it's like well, it's been a funny episode let's stick a couple of antennas on yeah for me basically it's one that you could put on and just watch and just every time you watch it um, it's just funny to actually look at you know and just some of the dialogue as you said is just uh, top notch so where does it rank in your overall ratings answer? Um, I'd say it's right up there I wouldn't say it's like you know your Prince Adam No More or you know Taylor's Quest or Problem With Power but it's it's, it's definitely 
not far way above average. It's, it's not. It's you know. It's, it's too good an episode to be an average episode because it's it it takes every element that could be a you know an average episode and just does something different. It just feels very refreshing, even though you spend like what half the episode at Snake Mountain. It's just it's just something good about it. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. So again, James, thank you so much for uh, giving me an insight into the region of ice and certain little snippets here and there of tidbits of information uh, with yourself you know bringing up so many pages of wikipedia in my head so to speak Uh, (laughs) but thank you very much sir thank you Uh, pleasure as always